You're listening to Surrounded by History, a podcast of the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Produced by Radio Mankato with your host, Historical Society Executive Director Jessica Potter. And now, Surrounded by History. Hello and welcome to Surrounded by History. I'm your host, Jessica Potter, with the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Joining me today is Jeff Lang with Radio Mankato. Every week, this program explores the history all around us, the history in plain sight. For the last few segments of Surrounded by History, we've been digging into the history and the stories behind some of our city parks. Over the years, the Historical Society has collaborated with the City of Mankato to create a heritage plaque program that places green cast iron historic plaques around our community, highlighting our local historic places. There are currently 18 heritage plaques installed around Mankato at historic buildings and homes and some of our Sibley or some of our city parks, excuse me. Today, we hope you will enjoy being surrounded by the history of a very special heritage plaque in Sibley Park, honoring our World War I servicemen and women. So, Get our bearings straight. We all know where Sibley Park is located. It's located on 900 Mound Avenue, whether you realize that's its official address or not. <laughs> but um, it's at the confluence of the Minnesota and Blue Earth Rivers. Um, today, the park features picnic areas, a large open green space, um, petting farm and zoo, and, of course, home to Kiwanis Holiday Lights. Also at the park, you will spot not one, but two heritage plaques. One plaque celebrates the history of the 130-year-old park, and the other um, is, serves as a monument to Blue Earth County's World War I servicemen and women. Um, the one about the park we've already talked about in a previous podcast. And that's where we learned about the word confluence the first time. <laughs> so right. I didn't have to ask this time. <laughs> Thank you. So the second one is located um, on the west side of the Grand Lawn. So when you, that Grand Lawn, and there's a big, there's a row that circles that Grand Lawn. Mm-hmm. As you're driving along that circle, you'll see the heritage plaque. It was on the route for Kiwanis Holiday Lights if you were walking the, the walking path. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that it's there. So you might want to come go and check it out. So this special heritage plaque was dedicated on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 2011 by the Walter Strand Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 950 and Auxiliary with the assistance from the City of Mankato and the Blue Earth County Historical Society. So I have a question for you. Yes. You know, getting your, your history all revved up. What happened on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918? 1918. Um, 1918 is something about the, the Spanish flu. <laughs> <laughs> it's close, it, but it has to do with Armistice Day. Oh, okay. That was the day that they called an armistice or the end of World War One, ah. also known as the Great War or the War to End All Wars. So at the, on November 11th, 1918, at 11 a.m., 
two words were proclaimed. Armistice signed, marking the end of the Great War. In seconds, news was sent across telegraph lines. <laughs> Imagine that. Placed in block headlines across front pages of newspapers. And soon it reached the American people and unleashed joyful excitement across the country. In many cities and towns, businesses closed so that people could come together and celebrate. Um, the ban on unnecessary use of light was lifted and houses were ablaze all night as people celebrated nonstop. If you, oh, I can, I can just imagine. We're leaving the lights on tonight. Exactly. Well, at this time, I mean, there was there's there were not only rationing. Rationing really took an extreme in World War II, but they thought that they needed to the the, the enemy would see them, so there were a lot of blackouts. Oh. Okay. So and that was the unnecessary use of light. Um, other hours, only hours after the announcement was made, the American Victory Union Telegraph telegraphed President Woodrow Wilson, suggesting the day be declared a legal holiday called Victory Day. Wilson declared the day to be known as Armistice Day, and the first one was observed in 1919, a year later. However, it was not until 1938 that it became a federal holiday. Armistice Day was officially renamed Veterans Day in 1954 to honor all American veterans, whether living, killed in action, or deceased from other causes. So after 1954, we would have gone through World War II as well, and we were in the midst of the Korean War. So Armistice Day would have meant the same since now we're in another world war. Exactly. Exactly. So back to the plaque at Sibley Park. This plaque stands as a reminder of the World War I monument that once stood on this site. So on Flag Day in 1926, two German 105-millimeter howitzer field guns, say that a hundred times fast, <laughs> were dedicated at this site in Sibley Park as war trophies and memorials to the sacrifice made by those who served from Blue Earth County in the First World War. So these military pieces were captured by the U.S. First Division at a battlefield in France on or about Jan- uh, July twentieth, 1918. Four soldiers from Blue Earth County were in the battle in which these guns were captured during this battle, 77 officers and 1,600 enlisted men gave up their lives. Wow. So a huge battle in France in 1918, and these two field guns were um, captured. And so it was very common um, after World War One and even into World War Two that um, these these pieces that were used in conflict were then put into city parks as a memorial to um, those that had served. Like the one that was in Lincoln Park. Right, exactly. Like the one we talked about in Lincoln Park. So um, in 1942, we're gearing up for World War II. We're already involved in it. And there were a lot of scrap drives. So scrap metal um, was, there were recycling campaigns, there were rationing campaigns. So there were drives for scrap metal. And um, this is the time... Again, we talked about in Lincoln Park, this was the time when a lot of those cannons or field guns or whatever, they were scrapped um, as part of the, the metal drives. And so these two World War I field guns were also a casualty of that um, scrap drive. And the first gun, get this, first gun was removed in 1942 as the kickoff to the city's one million pound scrap drive. Wow. And then the other one was recycled in 1943. So That's they, quite the kickoff. Yeah, no kidding. And one million pounds. I mean, 1942, I guess it's not that long ago, but still, it's hard to believe that you... 
you're pulling that much together in Mankato. Even. Right, right, exactly. So to switch gears just a little bit, um, we just talked about Armistice Day. That's the um, that was all started after World War One. Um, it's also known today as Veterans Day, but there, we also have Memorial Day. So what's the story about Memorial Day? So I know I'm going to talk about two federal holidays, but Memorial Day, they both have to do with um, those that have served in our military. Memorial Day was first, is observed as a federal holiday the final Monday of May, unlike Veterans Day or Armistice Day, which is in November. And this serves as a national day of remembrance of those who died in service, where Veterans Day is to acknowledge and remember anyone who has ever served, living or dead. Um, this observation of this day actually goes back as the National Day of Mourning, National Day of Remembrance goes back to the Civil War. Oh, wow. Um, so the specific date, um, when it became a federal holiday, then it, it really got more that final Monday of, of May, where the National Day of Mourning was, um, was a different date altogether. But the symbol was the same. Um, so there was one symbolic tradition um, that was rooted in World War One, and right here in Mankato that ties back to Memorial Day. And that's the Memorial Day poppy, which is worn to commemorate the servicemen and women who sacrificed their lives for our freedom. So you're familiar with that. When you go to the store, you'll see people, there's veterans groups that are selling those poppies that you wear. Yep. Okay, so that actually goes back to a single woman who was he was living in Mankato after World War One? Really, they, they do the poppy thing across the country, right? Exactly. That's not just a Midwest thing. No, this is incredible. I know this is, and this woman is incredible, and I cannot wait to tell you about her. So her name is Helen Hughes Hilsher. Um, so Helen was born in 1863. So getting our little timeline in our minds, think of um, uh, we're in the midst of the Civil War. Right. Okay. But she grew up in um, Prince Edward Island, which is now part of Canada. Um, she grew up, she was educated there, and then she emigrated in with many of her siblings to the United States and entered the University of Michigan in 1892. I'm also thinking about this, a woman going to college in 1892. Imagine that, okay? Right. So not only did she go to college, she received her medical degree from the University of Minnesota in 1896. Um, her first medical practice was in the city of Blue Earth, which is in Faribault County. Mm-hmm. And this was after this um, short little medical practice. She took a trip to Europe to further study medicine. And when she returned, she located here in Mankato. And in 1900, um, she and her sister Jane, who was also a medical doctor. Incredible family. I know. They established the first maternity hospital in Mankato. And they operated it independently until St. Joseph's Hospital incorporated a maternity department in its hospital. So we've talked about these hospitals before. Yes, we have. So as a reminder, 1900, Turtelot Hospital was our first city hospital, and that is starting to get to the end of its life. Right. Okay. St. Joseph's Hospital is brand new. It's only one year old. And now you have these two women that are starting a maternity hospital in our community. I'm just, my mind is blown. Right. Okay. 
So, um, 1910, she marries another. She marries a doctor. His name is J.R. Hilsher. That's how she becomes Helen Hughes Hilsher. Okay. And she continues her practice um, until 1920, when then she shifts gears and she goes into preventative medicine and public health work. So she was a very active uh, worker in social welfare in an area in which women's place was in the home. Remember, so she's practicing medicine until 1920. 1920 is when women got the right to vote wow okay okay yep so this we're talking about how stuff layers on top of each other and put it in its historical context this is an incredible woman who has a medical degree opens a hospital and continues to practice medicine until until 1920 and even beyond that um, all before she even has the right to vote in a federal or state election wow Okay. Yep. All right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm waiting for this to find out what she's I know, done here. I know. I'm leaving in suspense. <laughs> All right. So um, Dr. Helen is what she'd like to be called. She was one of the original members of the Mankato Red Cross, and she also ran a medical practice in Mankato during the influenza pandemic of... 1918. There you go, <laughs> which we talked about on our previous podcast. She was passionate about women's equality and lectured young women in the county on being well-educated on the issues of the day. Again, not until 1920 was she even allowed to vote in an election. Incredible. Okay, so here we go. Now, 1918, she's helping the Red Cross. She's involved in the work of the of World War One. And um, so after World War I in 1919, she organized a group of mothers, wives, daughters of American Legion members in Mankato. And then later she took this up to St. Paul and helped to organize a group up in St. Paul as well. And the idea was to form an auxiliary to the American Legion. So prior to that, there was no auxiliary, which is a women's group as a part of the American Legion. Her goal was to bring simple comfort to the great wars, sick and disabled. We've talked about World War One before, but here's another statistic to keep in mind. Over two million came home from World War Two, or I'm sorry, World War One, with some type of a dis- disability, including amputees, blindness, disfiguration, whatever it was. Wow. So now we, we this great war, we've, <laughs> we're coming out of or in the midst of the influenza outbreak, right. the pandemic, and you have two million that are coming home that have served in World War One that have disabilities that the country's never really had the... Had to deal it, with before. Right. Or the Not this size of the number. No, or the infrastructure to deal with. Right. So the auxiliary did organize thanks to the efforts of Helen. And um, they also did lots of different things to support the veterans that were were back at home. Clothing drives, fun drives, whatever. So it was Helen's idea. It it goes back to her. There's still, if you look it up, it won't give her uh, the credit, but goes back to Helen is the one who developed the idea of selling the red paper poppies, also known as the Memorial Buddy Poppies, as a way to fund the care for veterans. The red poppy was inspired by the sight of poppies growing in the battle-scarred fields where men had fallen during World War One, and that was the inspiration of the poem in Flanders Field. And that's why the red poppy goes right along with that image of um, World War One and remembering World War One. Wow. 
So Dr. Helen served as the national president, national president of the Legion Auxiliary and national chairperson of rehabilitation until 1922 when she retired to serve more locally at home. Um, she was very active in social welfare from helping the disabled, helping the veterans, helping children's rights, um, helping women to understand their role in the suffrage movement. Um, she died in Mankato in 1935, but it's just hard to even imagine uh, the legacy that she's left behind and the amount of change that she, the single woman, um, created in, in our community and across the United States. So it's a pretty exciting um, thing. So that's where the poppies come that from. That is incredible. So again, if you look it up, she doesn't get any credit. So then you could think that I'm not making, I'm totally making it up. But well, we, even, d- even, we do have her papers that tell us. So Even if it goes back to that, just, I mean, in other words, it still showed up, started in Minnesota, which I think yeah. is pretty cool that yeah. that movement started here. But then Somebody from Mankato would. Mm-hmm. I mean, the part that always kind of blow my mind is she. She went to college. She became a doctor. She started to practice in Blue Earth, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to go travel to Europe and maybe and learn just, more. Maybe I have a small mind on it, but it's like it's 1900. I don't want to go anywhere. Like I'm not going to try traveling to Europe. And she's like, no, we're going to travel to Europe and just learn more. Yeah, and that's so incredible. And then come back home, and then. Pick it up, uh, pick up where you left off and start another maternity hospital. You know, can you, I just, I mean, everything that she did, I mean, she's just one of these women that as I read more and more about her using the resources at the History Center, I'm just blown away by this woman. And, and it, you just read it and you're like, oh, yeah, I know lots of female physicians right now. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But you, you put it in the context of the time period in which she was living and it's just unheard of. The Mankato Clinic isn't even in existence yet. Mankato Clinic isn't in a group of male doctors don't come together to create a clinic until 1926. I mean, she's just so far ahead of what you could even imagine in medicine and in the community. Like you said, and she's doing this all at a time when her place was her place, air quoting, is supposed to be at home. And like, she's just out there. She wasn't married yet. Then she got married and like, that's incredible. Yeah. Really incredible story. Yeah, pretty neat story. And so I, I just hope, we hope, that you've enjoyed the program as we've explored this really special heritage plaque that's at Sibley Park. And when you read it, the, the idea is that you will remember the World War One servicemen and women that that gave their lives um, for our country at the during the Great War. But also, I hope that you'll remember um, Armistice Day, Veterans Day. I, I hope you'll remember Memorial Day. Um, remember the sacrifice of, that our country's military men and women made from the Civil War, made from the American Revolution until present. I mean, we're constantly in battle mm-hmm. in this world. And so um, remember the sacrifice that is made. And um, Memorial Day, I hope that you you go and you buy that buddy poppy and you realize that it's helping those that have served our country and, and it's all going back. It still goes back to supporting the veterans and the ones that need maybe additional medical care or whatever it is. And remember this incredible woman, Dr. Helen Hughes Hilsher, and her contribution to the national movement of remembrance. 
coming, so, when it comes back to Memorial Day, I'm going to have to play this again. Or, yeah. Or I'm just going to share this story over and over again. Like, how cool is it this came from somebody in Mankato? I know. I know. She's an incredible lady. Um, I can't wait to dig into more and learn more about her myself. So if you want to learn more, I encourage you to stop by the archives of the Blue Earth County Historical Society and read as much as you possibly can about this incredible woman in our history. And until next time, we hope you see the history that surrounds you. You've been listening to Surrounded by History, a podcast from the Blue Earth County Historical Society, produced by Radio Mankato. For more information on this and other topics, visit BlueEarthCountyHistory.com or stop by the Blue Earth County History Center at 424 Warren Street in Mankato. Thanks for listening to Surrounded by History. History.